in 2015, a man named Clarence Moore of Frankfort, Kentucky, at 66 years old, turned himself in to authorities. You see, Clarence Moore had been on the lamb for around 30 years, more than that, in fact. He'd been on the lamb since the mid-70s. He was a man that went to jail after a string of thefts, went to jail on a seven-year sentence. He escaped uh, when he was working on a road crew, put back in jail, escaped again, and escaped a third time, finally, to make it stick for a number of years until 2015. And he, because he could never uh, get a valid ID or social security number, he came to the point where he couldn't have adequate health care and, and health issues began to creep in on his life. And he's, because of the health issues and just tired of running, finally just said, I give up. And he contacted, he himself contacted the authorities and the police officer said when he came, he just broke down in tears and just said, I'm tired. I'm tired of running. I'm just tired of running. And whether it be someone like this who does know that authorities have been in pursuit for multiple years, or whether it be someone that we see kind of in the midst of this verse, our focal verse today in Proverbs 28.1, if a person is living in sin, they are fleeing. They're fleeing. So again, whether it be a man like Mr. Coleman or Mr. Moore, excuse me, whether it be a man like him or whether it be any of us that might be living in sin, we see the truth of Proverbs 28.1 in our lives. And let me read it to you now. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So Mr. Moore, of course, did have those pursuing him. But if we are living in sin, it, it, too, as if, it, as if we are living on the run, we're living with those that we feel are pursuing us even when those are not. So again, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So we're going to break this verse down in two parts today. In fact, we're going to reach into the Old Testament and we're going to reach into the, Old, the New Testament to take a look at how these two things have played out and other stories that we know are all too familiar to us. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Lord God, as we come and we look at your word today, you tell us in your word that the word itself is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides joint and marrow, and Lord, it penetrates. God, help us to be open to that today. Help us to be open to that work of your word in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. So the first thing that we're going to see is the first part of this verse, the wicked flee when no one pursue. Folks, look at this. The one who is walking, the one who is walking in sin has a guilty conscience and is never able to find rest. The one who is walking in sin has a guilty conscience is never able to find rest. Now, we know ultimately in Scripture, when it talks about the wicked in Scripture too, what we have to understand here is that the, the wicked person is the person who does not have faith in Christ. You see, there's really two types of people that we see in Scripture. Those that know Jesus Christ, those who are saved, those who are people of faith who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and those who do not. And God isn't an, a meanie. God isn't an ugly God who doesn't care for us and he's sitting there looking to zap us with a lightning bolt whenever he wants to. But the reason there's such a distinction is because he is a holy God. But as we've seen, if you've been with us for any length of time or if you know anything about scripture yourself and we will continue to talk about it today, God doesn't leave us in the midst of that problem of being separated from him because of our sin. But that's why he sent Jesus Christ. 
that we might be forgiven and cleansed and we take upon his righteousness and Jesus Christ's holiness in our life if we surrender our life into the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, today, make today, may today be your day of salvation. But even for the believers in Jesus Christ, we too can walk in sin. We see in, in, in the book of Galatians where we see the fruit of the Spirit, but right before that, it gives a whole list of things that characterize the life of one who is unsaved. And the, 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 the point there behind that is not only making that distinction, but showing too that if we are not walking in daily consecration unto the Lord, we can live out those things as well, even as believers. Now, we can only do it for time. And there will be, if we are believers in Jesus Christ and we have the Holy Spirit residing in our life, there will be conviction. There will be difficulty. There will be a, a part of our heart, which is the Holy Spirit in our life that says, this is not right. But for a time, we too can fall into our old life, our old sin nature. And so we see, even for a believer in Jesus Christ, this has application today. So the wicked flee when no one pursues. What a miserable existence. To be one that lives and is walking with a guilty conscience to the point where one can never find rest. One of the first instances we see of this is Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we know that, that God created the world. We see that God created the world and all that was in it, including mankind. And mankind was the crown jewel of God's creation. And Adam and Eve were there in their innocence in the garden. They're in their innocence, and of course, God said, do, you can eat whatever you want, you can partake of whatever you want, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, temptation was there in the form of the serpent, and of course, they, they were tempted, and they did. They sinned. Adam took and gave to his wife, and of course, it says here in verses 7 through 10, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Remember before, they were living in complete innocence, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And listen to this. And they heard the sound of God, the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. They had walked in complete innocence and they had walked in perfect fellowship with their God. And now they had sinned and their eyes were open and they hid themselves from the God of whom they had had perfect fellowship. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, we heard your voice. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Innocence lost. Innocence lost. Fast forward a little bit in the Old Testament and we see here another instance of this sort of guilty fear. Numbers 32, when the men are commanded to go into the promised land and God says, I will go with you. Have faith. Be obedient unto me. I am going before you and I am going with you. Go into the land and do what I've called you to do. And it says this in the midst of Numbers chapter 32, and in verse 23, it says this, but if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. He said that there is if this disobedience unto the loving, powerful God who says, I not only will go before you, but I will go with you. When we do that, when we disobey him, disobey him even in faith, he says, surely there's sin will find you out. 
We look a little further into the Old Testament as well, and I love this picture that we're going to see. We're going to see verse 5, or excuse me, chapter 5 of the book of Daniel, and then we're going to see chapter 6 in the book of Daniel in the second part of our focal verse here today. But in chapter 5 of the book of Daniel, I love how you see these two sides of this verse played out in this, in this narrative here in the book of Daniel. So we see here in verse 5, King Belshazzar is having a feast. We know this about the hand that begins to write on the wall. Many of us know of this. And Belshazzar was the son of King Nebuchadnezzar, who he himself eventually at the end of his life, after he's humbled, honored the Lord. But his son did not follow suit. And his son uh, had, had, had slipped back into uh, that, that sin of not honoring and following the Lord. And it says here in verse 1 of chapter 5, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of a thousand. And while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring gold and silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords and their wives and concubines might drink from them. What is the backstory here? We know again that Babylon conquered Jerusalem and they took captive some of the people of Jerusalem and with that some of the artifacts. And there had been, maybe at least, maybe because they'd been forgotten, who knows why, they hadn't been used up to this point, but in a great sign of disrespect, not only to the people, but of course, ultimately to the Lord God of the people of the Hebrew people, they brought in these holy artifacts that were used in the temple and they just began to use them for common purposes in the midst of their party. And at the same time, it says here in verse 5, in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite of the lampstand of the plaster, on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw that part of the hand that he wrote. And then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked together. That sort of holy guilt or that guilty fear, not that holy guilt, but that guilty fear. And the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed in purple. I have a chain around his neck, and he shall be a third, the third ruler in the kingdom. He shall be elevated to a powerful place. And now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then the king Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed. And his lords were astonished. Now it says that the queen said, you know what, king? I remember, remember in the time of your father, there was a Hebrew man named Daniel. A man who was powerful of the Lord. A man who lived for the Hebrew God. And he was able to do great things and to interpret such things. And so she brought in Daniel. They brought him in. And it says this as they continue. In verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. The king tries to bribe him and he says, no need, no need. I will just do it for my God. And, o king, the most high God uh, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave your father, all the people's nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished was executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whoever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took the glory from him. Daniel was reminding Belshazzar of his father's fall. Then he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was like that of like wild donkeys. 
They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. He reminded them that even in his power, when this man was not humble before the Lord, he was brought low. In verse 22, but this, but you his son, Belshazzar, you have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. And he says, and if that wasn't enough, they brought the vessels of his house, the Lord's house before you. And you and your Lord, your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which you do not see and you do not know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all of your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hands were sent from him, he says. Daniel says those fingers were sent by that God. And his writing, this writing was written. And in the inscription, it was written thus, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Uporsen. And this is the interpretation of each word, Mene. God has numbered your kingdom. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple, put a chain of gold around his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. But at that very night, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede, a new power in town, a new conqueror upon the earth, a new kingdom was established, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. We see here that he was shaking in fear, that guilty fear. If we go all the way back to verse 7 of chapter 5 here in the book of Daniel, we knew he sees his, his knees are loosened, his knees are shaking. He is walking in sin, and he does not have the boldness. He does not have the boldness that we see in the second part of this verse. But I love what we see here as we see in the very next chapter of the book of Daniel how it perfectly illustrates the second part of Proverbs 28.1. So first of all, it says again, the wicked pursue, wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Folks, listen to this. A clear conscience gives you boldness, gives you boldness to stand against anyone and anything. Why? Because you know that you are are on solid footing. You see, the boldness that comes isn't a boldness of ourselves. It's a, not a boldness that we find in our own aptitude, in our own eloquence. Isn't it something that we find in of our own power, but it is a boldness that we find in righteously serving a righteous God. So we see the guilty fear of the first part of this verse juxtaposed against holy boldness, holy boldness. The very next chapter in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, we see a plot against Daniel. Now, remember, a new king is upon the throne, and he has his own uh, servants. He has his own uh, emissaries. He has people that serve him. And they come up with a great idea to get rid of this Daniel who is challenging their authority. So what do they do? They, 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 they conspired among themselves, and they said, how can we reduce Daniel's power? How can we, in fact, get him kicked out of the kingdom? How, in fact, can we end his life? And what do they do? They, they talk to, to King Darius and say, you know what you ought to do because you're such a great and mighty king? You ought to set up a golden statue and make everyone bow down to it. You ought to um, 
Have people honor you, rather. Have people honor you because you are the great and mighty king. And of course, as we know, as we see this continue on, we know that, that Daniel did not do this. We know that Daniel, it was his custom to bow down and pray to God, to, to the one God of heaven, of which they said that this, was, that this could not be done. And we see here in verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that, it could only be, that, that praises could only be offered to the king and not to his God, he went to the upper room and his windows were open towards Jerusalem. He didn't do it in secret. He didn't try to hide it. But he knelt down and gave three times. He prayed three times that day and prayed his thanks before God, as was his custom since his early days. He did not change his routine a bit. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplications before God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that says that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? So they said, we've got him. King, don't you remember that? Even though the king had favor upon Daniel. And the king answered and said, this thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter so they answered and they said to the king that Daniel, who's one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petitions three times a day. So he's ignored the decree, king. And the king, when he heard these things, was greatly displeased within himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. But he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver, to deliver Daniel. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute that the king establishes may be changed. The king was racking his brain knowing that Daniel was a good man. And he was saying, What can we do to get him out of this? What can we do to get him out of this, uh, this predicament? But those wicked men who served the king said, You know this law cannot be changed. So the king gave the command They brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually. Listen to this. Listen to the power in this. The king said to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring. You could imagine the anguish of the king. And it says this. Now the king, in verse 18, went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. He couldn't sleep. And the king arose very early in the morning and went to haste to the den of the lions. And when he came to the den, he cried aloud with a lamenting voice to Daniel. He knew. He was hoping beyond hope, but he probably had it in his mind. There's no way he survived this. Then the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, Servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the den of the lions? He was probably being hopeful and hoping, okay, I'm going to speak to Daniel, but I know nothing's going to come back. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. He honored the king. But what did he do more? He honored his God. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they've not hurt me. Because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad before him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Daniel was taken from the den and no injury was found on him because he believed in his God. 
Not only do we see the just, just right on the nose application here of the words, but the righteous are as bold as a lion and we see the lion's den. Not only is it just right on the nose application, but you can see it. He was bold, not only, it was not only in the midst of the lion's den, but before that, as he lived in the midst of a foreign country, those that were worshiping other gods, he had boldness because he was living in righteousness. Do we see it in the New Testament, though? Do we see the same sort of boldness that comes from righteous living? Yes, we do. Of course, we know in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, we see here as Jesus Christ has passed from this earth, as he died upon the cross, he was buried, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. Then he left those that followed him as disciples to take this message, this good news gospel message, to take it to all the earth. And they were left there in his power with the Holy Spirit to take and spread this message into the known world. And we see these men and women just empowered by incredible boldness, and we see his disciples, many of those, his inner ring of 12 that followed him, that were oftentimes, and not too long before this, cowering in fear, denying him three times in the case of Peter, now are walking in incredible boldness because they have been given the power of the Holy Spirit and they are walking themselves in righteousness. And in verse 8, As they are standing before the high council, they've been taken into custody because, of course, they are preaching the name of Jesus Christ and lives are being changed. People are being healed in the religious establishment of the day. They're saying this is continuing to threaten our power, so let's bring these in and let's threaten these guys. Let's kind of shake the tree a little bit. Let's scare them and tell them not to go preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And it says here in verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are to be judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, think about this boldness, whom God raised from the dead by him, This man stands here before you whole. There was a man that they had healed and it was opportunity to preach the gospel to the following crowd. So of course they were brought in. They were challenged for this. And he says, it's been done not by our power, but by the power of Jesus Christ, whom by the way, you crucified. But God raised him from the dead. This is the stone in verse 11, that the, which the builders, you builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And what does it say here in verse 13? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. You see, they're, st- they're sitting before the council. Again, this mixture, unlike we have today, of powerful religious and political figures that were incredibly well-educated and well-trained. And they see these two followers of Jesus Christ who they knew were not so, and they were speaking with incredible boldness before them. And seeing the man whom they'd healed, verse 14, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done that is evident to all Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further. Here's what we'll do. So that it spreads no further. So this movement spreads no further amongst the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they may speak to no one else in this name of Jesus Christ. 
So they called them in and commanded them. They called the followers of Jesus in and commanded them not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John, they answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you more than to God himself, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. But when they had found no further way to threaten them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they had glorified God for what had been done. For this man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle had been performed. This is the boldness that we see that comes. We do not have a different Holy Spirit than the Holy Spirit of, uh, of the book of Acts. The same Holy Spirit of the book of Acts is the same Holy Spirit that resides in the life of believers. And when we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and when we walk in righteousness, that is not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21. When we walk in that righteousness, we too can be bold as a lion. So you say to yourself, Pastor, what do I need to do? First of all, are you one who does not know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Anything else that we see here at this point in your life is moot. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? You have been separated from God because of your sin, just like me, just like anyone else that's sitting here in this place today. But that is not the bad news that ends with bad news. It is the bad news that ends with good news. Because the good news is this. Even though you could do nothing to save yourself, the Bible is clear on that. There's no amount of good works that you can do to save yourself. God himself sent Jesus Christ to take the penalty for your sin and for mine. And that if you turn from your old way of life, if you repent and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, committing your life unto him, then you too might be saved. Are you here today and do you need Jesus Christ in your life? But if you're here today and you do know Jesus Christ and there is a period in your life in which you're walking and there is a sin in your life and you are not living in boldness because you are not living in righteousness. The first question you have to ask yourself is are you walking regularly in sin? Are you not regularly bearing good fruit? Are you walking regularly in sin and you're becoming accustomed to it? then folks, you might need to examine your life prayerfully. Ask the Lord to show you maybe there is, maybe you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never been changed. Maybe you've never been forgiven. Maybe you've never been cleansed. Maybe you're placing your faith on walking an aisle. Maybe you're placing your faith in some sort of a decision of following someone else. But maybe you have never, ever been changed. But thirdly, if you are temporarily walking in sin and you are not experiencing the second part of this verse, you cannot say that you're walking as bold as a lion because you're not walking in righteousness. What is that area of life? What is that secret sin that you've not given to the Lord? Folks, there is something refreshing. There's something amazing and refreshing about being thoroughly honest and righteous and just letting the chips of life fall where they may. Is there something in your life? Is there a secret sin in your life? And you say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Folks, the first thing that you need to do is you need to find a mature, trusted believer in Jesus Christ. And you need to go and speak with them and confess that to them. 
It's part of that too. You need to be a person. The other side of that coin is there, there in a church like this, in any church, there needs to be this ability of coming to another believer. Not only going to the Lord and confessing to the Lord, but going to another believer and saying, can you help me out? Can you hold me accountable? Being able to do that. And so the other side of that coin too is you need to be a trustworthy person. You need to be a person that can be trusted by another that they might be able to come to you and they know you will pray with them. They know you will hold them accountable and they know you will not take this and spread this to others. But you need to be a trustworthy person and you too need to go find another brother or sister in Christ. Confess before them, ask them to hold you accountable in prayer. What do you need to do as well? You need to confess and ask forgiveness of others. If there's a sin in your life that is hurt another person, that is actively hurting another person, you need to go to that person and you need to ask for their forgiveness as well. Not only ask someone to hold you accountable, but you need to go into the person whom you have hurt and ask their forgiveness. Then what do you actively do from there? You actively begin to practice. This is not rocket science. This is not going, you're not going to find and discover some, oh, this is the secret I've been missing forever. It is a matter in, the spirit, in, in God's spirit and his power in your life to begin to execute spiritual disciplines in your life. What do you need to do? You need to daily be in God's word. Folks, anytime we talk about spiritual disciplines, whether it be today or whether it be 10 years from now, you're not going to hear me change it one bit. It is, are you spending time in God's word? This is his life. This is his message unto you. This is his spirit unto you. This is his word given unto you. Are you daily spending time in his word? And are you daily spending time in prayer? Folks, again, let me just be just as, as practically applicable as I can on this. Folks, you need to make sure that you are carving out time daily in your life time to spend with God in his word and in prayer are you doing that are you carving that time out are you getting up in the morning and are you giving the first minutes of your day to the Lord are you giving the first time of your day to the Lord we say pastor I get up early and I understand that I understand that. I know some of you get up pretty early will you find a time in your day Maybe even no matter how early you get up, is it possible? I'm really leading you by the hand now, but is it possible to just say, you know what? There's that TV show I watch for 30 minutes right before I go to bed to unwind, and I deal with sort of the stress of my day by just kind of going through that. Could you give that over to the Lord, and you, could you say, I'm going to bed 30 minutes earlier tonight so I can get up 30 minutes earlier in the morning? I'm telling you, the time that you give, that time that you use to sort of unwind with that show at night, I'm telling you, it will be replaced by something far sweeter than just sort of numbing the stress of the day with a TV show or time on your phone or whatever it might be. It will be replaced with sweet fellowship with the Lord. And let me tell you, when you deal with the stress of your day, not with trying to numb it with the things of this world, but you go to the Lord in prayer and in his word, that's when you begin to see things change spiritual disciplines spiritual disciplines in your life and then again and finally will you pray for that boldness let us read as we close here acts chapter 4 verses 23 and following and being let go so again they're standing before the council 
and they've let them go now. And being let go, they went to their own companions. They went to the, uh, the early church gathering and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. So they came back and they reported that Peter and John reported the great things that had happened in the power of God. And these people, the gathering of the church said, they lifted their voice with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and is all, and is all that's in them. And by the mouth of your servant, David, you have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to be done. We're not on a roller coaster ride that is not determined by God. It was part of his plan. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they might speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And what happened? It is said, when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. Lord God, you tell us again, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Lord, for the person here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, would this be the day that they surrender their life unto you? Lord, for the person that believes they're, uh, uh, they're saved, that they're your child, but they walk consistently in sin. God, ultimately, it's only between you and them. But Lord, would you help them to see? Would you help them to look honestly at their life? Would you show them truly whether or not they're saved? Would you show them truly whether or not they're born again and their lives have been changed? And of course, Lord, there are those of us here that are here that know Christ is our Savior, but we too, if we walk in our old way of life, if we're not daily consecrated to you, if we're not daily surrendering our lives to you, we too can fall into an old way of life. We too can fall into sin. But Lord, we know for the believer, we are not going to be comfortable there. Our Holy, the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit who resides in our life is going to bring loving conviction in our heart. And so God, for those of us that are here that, that are experiencing that in our lives and we are living almost, we are experiencing the fact that we are we're seeing things all around us. We we're, we're, we feel like maybe it's lying and we feel like we're constantly trying to keep up with a lie in our life. Gossip sexual sin, whatever it might be, will they confess it unto you? And God, would you give us the ability to walk in righteousness so that we too might not destroy our witness. We might not destroy our effectiveness for you in the world, but we too, as we go out into this world, might be as bold as a lion. God, would you give us that peace in our lives? Would you give us that strength today to confess that before you begin to allow you to do the work in our lives, to root that issue out of our lives today that we too, again, might be bold as a lion. In the name of Christ, we do pray. Amen. What about you?